0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Relove Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ezzie Spencer. I'm an author, a coach, and I help brilliant magical women to create love. And one of the things that I see all the time in my client practice is the woman who has had a toxic relationship but wants to put herself out there to find love again. So perhaps she's had an experience dating a narcissist. Maybe she's had uh, an experience being married to somebody with a personality disorder without getting into clinical diagnoses, of course. Maybe she's had an experience which has just been tremendously difficult in love, and so she's lost the confidence and self belief that she had when she was younger. She may have lost hope that people are indeed good or that love is possible because she was really ensnared in a situation which was really not great. Um, and if anybody has had a breakup with somebody who is a little disordered, uh, you know, it goes beyond just a regular breakup. I mean, no. Break- up is good, heartbreak always hurts, of course. But when somebody is actively manipulating you, then it just takes it to a whole other level. So of course, working with a trained therapeutic professional to ensure That the recovery process is as uh, supported as possible is really important. Where I come in, where Relove comes in, is where somebody is wanting to put themselves out there again to find love, but is looking for more support in terms of the dating and the relationship side of things, which is taking into account what their past experiences may have been and what their specific fears and concerns and worries are. A lot of the time, the rattling in the self trust is one of the biggest things that we work on when someone has had a very difficult experience in relationships in the past. So, oftentimes, the work that I do fits hand in glove with therapy Um, and you know I would say that the majority of the people who come through the Relove program have worked with a therapist are still working with a therapist or are working with some kind of alternative therapeutic modality which works for them Um, and then you know they're really looking at the the Relove experience or the dating experience as the more like growth oriented experience. Um, I absolutely think that the two things work really really well together and if you've had an experience which has been absolutely detrimental to your sense of self and self-esteem, then I would say it's critical that you do get that therapeutic support as well. Now, what I want to speak about in this particular episode is that even though you've had this experience in the past, it doesn't mean that you are doomed. It is actually still possible to find love after having an experience with a narcissist or with someone with a personality disorder, someone who has really actively uh, manipulated you and, and shaken your view of the world. It is still possible to find love. And I would say it's not actually despite what happened, but because what happened. If you've been around here in my world for a little while, you've come to my masterclasses and you've been reading my newsletters for a while, you probably heard me talk about this and I will dive in um, more in this episode. And this episode is based on an article that I published this past week with Goop because I think that there is a lot of the natural predisposition to thinking that you may be damaged in some way or that you're you know you've wrecked your hopes for ever finding love I hear women speak that way and it's just not true it is possible with of course the right support to be able to reclaim your sense of self to build a foundation of self And I mean, I actually say build a foundation of self rather than rebuild a foundation of self, because sometimes one of the things that we realize after we've had an experience like this is that we weren't really deeply rooted in who we are. Not our fault. (laughs) I want to be really, really clear right out of the bat. None of this is our fault, but it still can be the case that, you know, we were, um, You know, seduced by the bright lights because we weren't connected with our own bodies. Wisdom. We weren't listening to the signs from our own body, or if we were hearing these red dings, we were, for whatever reason, disregarding them. So perhaps we were worried about our age, or we felt like we had to hurry up and find a partner so that we could have kids before the clock stopped ticking. So, coming at it from a scarcity mindset, scarcity in terms of time and age, which is totally understandable. You know, or maybe people around us were telling us that we we're being too fussy or too picky and, you know, pressuring us to give this person a chance. Or perhaps we just pressured ourselves to give this seemingly lovely person a chance, even though something was really twisting in our gut in the experience, uh, in the initial stages. You know, there's lots of ways that we can actually, unfortunately, gaslight ourselves. You know, and so this is why building this solid foundation of self, really owning and claiming what our needs and desires are, and doing that unabashedly. Doing that in a way where we're releasing any guilt or shame about even having needs, being able to express confidently what it is that is required for us to feel safe, to feel comfortable, uh, to feel that we are worthy of love, and to also not worry about rejecting somebody when their behavior is not meeting our standards because we are scared that, you know, we've missed the boat, that if it's not this person, it won't be Anybody, or that no one will ever choose us, you know, because we're undesirable in some way. And this is really where this toxic person can get inside of our heads because whatever our vulnerabilities or worries or human frailties or weaknesses are and we have them because we're human but whatever these are someone who is actually really toxic is an expert at detecting that a little bit like shark being able to detect the blood in the water like detecting it and, and then exploiting it so really blowing it up obviously as a power play as a way to manipulate us as a way to really um you know use us for their own aims. So if you know what I'm talking about, you know. Um, and you might wonder whether there's something fundamentally wrong with you, which of course there is not. And you might, you know, as I say, be doubting about whether it's possible to find love again or be wondering whether it's possible to find love again. And I do want to be a voice of hope in this because I see it all the time in my client work, right? Because the wake up call that occurs once you've had an experience like this does invite us to tend to any blind spots. So for example, if we have an eagerness to please in general, so that we feel chosen and loved, like that can be okay, unless we come into contact with a really toxic person who then chooses to set up a bit of a, a hook and bait for us, so that we get, um, you know, really tied into a, a dynamic where we're constantly trying to please them, and the goalposts are constantly moving. So whatever it is that we do is never enough. But if there's that feeling, like oh my gosh, if if, if I don't get chosen, you know, or if I'm if I I'm not lovable if I or if I don't do what it is that they want me to do, then I'm going to lose affection. I'm going to be abandoned. The neurochemicals that can start charging through our system when the amygdala is hijacked, when the survival system comes fully online can lead us to really show up um you know inside of the the relationship in ways that in retrospect we could look back at it and think my goodness I was a little bit of a zombie there I was fully compelled to say and do things that in if I was in my right mind I wouldn't have done those things however this is the way that these people can definitely hook us in is by finding these weak spots and then very Actively stirring up the pain, which then has us acting out of, you know, effectively a, a trauma response, you know, which can really look like a, a fawn trauma response a lot of the time, which is, which is that frantic peddling in order to, to please the other person and to prove ourselves that we are worthy of being chosen. Some other uh, blind spots that may lead to susceptibility or vulnerability with someone who is quite toxic is a habit of taking over responsibility. So, for example, just assuming that something is your fault or that you've done something wrong. A lot of the time, you know, this can come from from conditioning inside of, you know, earlier uh, parts of our life, you know, behavioural modelling inside of the childhood home. These can be ancestral patterns. And of course, you know, there are lots of collective tropes uh, which are applied to, to women, you know, culturally and socially, naturally, depending on, on where you live and what your imprinting has been. But there's lots of reasons why you've got that that habit of taking over responsibility, and again to reinforce that if this is you, this is not your fault, and also you have the power to change it. Um, particularly, you know, if you have that that real habit of wanting to um, take over responsibility, that can be in order to to prove your value and to demonstrate your desirability. And again, the issue with this is that in many normal or healthy relationship dynamics, whether personal or professional, this isn't going to backfire terribly on you. But if you're in a situation with someone who's quite toxic or even someone who's a bit of a taker who's going to see that willingness that you have to shoulder the burden they're going to say sure great like I'll take that you know and someone who's outright toxic is going to be delighted because then they know they've got a really awesome uh food supply source with you yeah so that can be a blind spot—the habit of taking over responsibility. Other blind spots might be a tendency to champion someone's potential in an ideal future, rather than actually see and accept how they're showing up in reality. So to clock what their actual behavior is, rather than what it is that you wanted their behavior to be. Um, you know, or getting obsessed with perfection, or, or showing up in a way which is which is which is perfect. You know, always trying to optimize your behavior again, so that you feel accepted and safe. So some of these traits, as I've mentioned, can, again, be totally benign in in more healthy scenarios, and in fact can actually result in popularity in certain contexts. They can cause us to excel in professional relationships sometimes as well. And this is why it can be a little disorienting when you realise that the exact uh, traits or blind spots even that I've just mentioned have been the types of things that have driven your, you know, success in some areas are exactly the kind of things that make you susceptible and vulnerable to someone who's a little bit more toxic or narcissistic in nature. You know, there's there's a little bit of a, a, an ontological shock or a needing to recalibrate to reality that needs to occur as well. Um And so the invitation here or the clarion call here is to cultivate greater self-love. So it's to identify, release and surface any of these blind spots and then to gently release them. So to melt them away, to dissolve these blind spots or what I often call unconscious vows, which are inner barriers to love and to come back into our natural state which is one of true love and peace and power and what I mean by that is that you know when we're in this place of personal power personal agency and sovereignty that we feel really strong and grounded in ourselves and we have our you know feet firmly firmly Uh, in the earth so to speak right so then someone can't come into our life and knock us off balance as easily you know they're really going to have to try and the thing with a lot of toxic people is that if they detect that they're going to have to really work hard with you they'll probably move on to the next person, you know, who maybe doesn't have as much of a sense of self, who isn't as deeply grounded in their personal power, right? Uh, They'll move on to an easier target, in other words. So, a wonderful way to really cultivate your immunity is to cultivate that sense of self-sovereignty and personal power, as well as really focus on returning back to your self-love and self-worth. And you have intrinsic value as a human, just simply because you exist, because you are. That's just there. No one can take that away from you. But the thing is, is that the toxic people will definitely see and exploit any ways that that sense of self-worth was damaged when you were younger, right? So, you know, that can definitely compound the problem. Um, But, you know, this is what a self-love practice or going on a a journey of reclaiming and deeply inhabiting and embodying your self-worth, you know, it's really important. And again, having an experience with someone who is more toxic can be that clarion call for you to deepen, integrate a self-love and personal power, Um, you know, and and we want you to feel secure, to relax, right? We want to cultivate more of that sense of internal coherence so that then you can really enjoy the courtship process when you do put yourself out there again, maybe even have a little bit of fun when you start dating again, you know, and I really don't say that lightly, by the way, you know, I don't want to be flippant if your heart and mind and spirit has been bruised by someone who is really difficult, Um, you know, but I also want to hold open that expansive possibility that you're not destroyed for the rest of your life because of it, right? You know, if you do take that invitation, if you decide to treat this as an initiation and you do get the appropriate support uh, through this process, then it is possible for you to find love again and probably establish a relationship with a depth of intimacy that may have been difficult for you to access if you hadn't had this experience if you hadn't been invited to really go on a journey of understanding well what might be some of your blocks to love what might be some of those blind spots might what might be some of the ways where you're not deeply rooted and grounded in your self-worth or claiming that sense of personal power or sovereignty yeah so I have a few tips in this episode which are drawn from the the article um, and I'll also link the article in the show notes. So if you want to have the article as a written resource as well, then you can refer to that. But here are three tips to practically move forward. So if you've had this experience, but you want to put yourself out there again to find love again, and you're working on finding the courage and the confidence to do that, then you may find these three tips helpful. And so the first is to shift the emphasis back to you and i see this as a really common trap with the clients that i work with who've had this experience in the past that they do get really into sort of the internet detective mode right so continuing to research those disordered personalities for example narcissism sometimes for years after the fact scrolling instagram or tiktok or you know going down the the internet forum rabbit hole really getting obsessed with locating red flags And it's absolutely understandable because knowledge is power, you know, and you want to inform yourself about what to look out for. But what I do also notice over time is that an ongoing obsession or fixation on that to the exclusion of your own inner knowing or your own intuition can become a bit of a distraction. And so a breakthrough moment with many of my clients is when we do come back to self-trust and realise that you probably did sense that something was off in the early phases if you've been in a challenging relationship like this in the past but chose to proceed anyway. And so the 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 real issue is oftentimes um, – Self recrimination and a huge amount of beating yourself up, right? And so, a lot of times, the, the the antidote or the medicine around that is not to get super focused on spotting red flags, but instead to focus on self compassion and self forgiveness. And this is what I mean by shifting the emphasis back to yourself, right? And so, this is a very practical example of what the self love and self worth work looks like in practice. It's feeling self compassion and self forgiveness for yourself in your body right? So feeling it as in like feeling physical sensations inside of your body, not engaging in positive self-talk alone, although positive self-talk, really good starting point. Like better to be in the positive self-talk than in the inner critic. But what it is that we want to do is go a layer deeper in order to come back to self-trust, to really heed the clarion call of this experience. And with really feeling self-compassion self-forgiveness in your body, it's a qualitative shift. Like that's the breakthrough. That's how we move forwards. That's how we restore self-trust, right? And the minute that we step beyond that self-recrimination and blame, um, you know, we start to really trust our ability to be able to navigate life and love again. Restores us back to that true state, you know, of love and peace and power. Self-love, you know, inner peace and personal power. The second tip that I have here is to decide, what quality of experience do you want to have in relationship? And I recommend, if it feels right for you, try this on for size, but decide to be cherished, decide to be adored, decide to be met uh, by an equal partner inside of a healthy relationship, right? Choosing to be happy and fulfilled in love moving forwards. Set that as your standard. A common error that I see with my clients is that they define what it is that they want in their future relationship And Against the past toxic relationship, right? We don't want to frame our desires for the relationship moving forwards, you know, in the in the negative, if you will. We want to go into a real green fields thinking. You know, and so what are the healthy ingredients of a soulful, loving relationship that would have you personally thrive? Like, can you state that? Can you define that without mentioning the toxic relationship in the past? Can you actually shift that emphasis back to you so that then you can share what your wishes and your needs are inside of relationship? Can you articulate your standards? You know, not just what you think is realistic for you, but what is it that is required to allow someone intimate access to you? You know, for example, do you feel most secure with a partner who's emotionally sensitive and mature. You know, if you need a certain care and communication and clarity of intent and frequency of affection, like what exactly uh, is that for you? So get really specific and granular like that. There continues to be the temptation to shift back into defining what went wrong in the past. And so it's going to require a huge amount of discipline to be able to continue to shift your gaze forward to the future and this is really where we see some blind spots or inner barriers to love or blocks to love come up right so when we name our needs and desires particularly in relation to the fields forward focusing forward focusing type relationship you know we might be surprised to notice that we might be secretly scared of a relationship or deep down we may not feel worthy of being cherished or receiving the 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 quality of love or the devotion that that we observe others receive or that secretly we long for, you know, and it's, it's it's really interesting because when we have these inner barriers which are running under the surface, like a lot of the time these types of fears or worries are happening in the unconscious mind. Like the conscious mind may want love, or the conscious mind may think that we are, you know, intellectually like deserving of love, which is the truth, of course. Um, but if we've got these inner barriers running underneath the surface, that can actually have us invest in the type of situations, relationships, or people that are than what it is that we deserve. So this is why it's critical as you're moving forwards that you're really surfacing any of these blind spots. And again, you're going through a process of self love, self compassion and self forgiveness. Yeah. Because the people pleasing or the performing or the over functioning symptoms, which are outlined earlier in this podcast episode, can be clues that we do have those inner barriers to love. And other examples are that we might feel guilty about declining unwanted advances, ignoring intuition, or if we have got a super harsh and super loud inner critic you know and again with gentle self-awareness and self-compassion like having This, uh, these inner barriers brought to our awareness, or indeed, like looking at some of those clues or symptoms and saying, Oh, okay, they might be pointing to something deeper beyond the purview of our conscious mind, but something deeper, which is actually driving our thoughts and actions and beliefs about what might be possible for us and our behaviors in terms of the types of partners that we choose, the people that we invest in, and the reasons why we don't leave in the early phases. Your body is a tuning fork. So when you're deeply and intimately connected to that, the minute that something feels off, you don't need to. To rationalise, you don't need to say why. It's absolutely acceptable to close down a a connection and to no longer engage. Particularly if you've had a really challenging experience in love in the past. Now, the third tip here: create an effective filtering system. So when you're putting yourself out there again, obviously paying attention to your intuition, but also create a formal filtering system. So then it's going to be really easy for you to detect whether somebody is simply not compatible with you and what. your needs are and your needs may have shifted you know because of your past experience like there's no need to beat yourself up about that you know as I've said many times you know but I'll keep saying it again it's just own and claim exactly what your needs are and then ensure that you are selecting your future dates accordingly yeah And so, you know, really um, going through and working with what does and doesn't work for you, you know, again, really coming back and shifting the emphasis to yourself rather than listing attributes about them, you know. So shifting the gaze from the external back to the internal, really allowing yourself to Feel on the inside what feels good and right for you. In the ReLove system, we have a very, um, a, a, a very methodical system for doing this because I've had so many clients who've had difficult experiences in the past. So I get my clients to work with a spreadsheet, which a lot of people laugh about. But you know, the thing about working with something which is actually like strips the emotion out of it. It does help you to feel safe and secure because effectively it provides the guardrails for you to then put yourself out there again and to be able to date with confidence, knowing that you have already decided for yourself what will and won't work for you. And then obviously you need to have the discipline to make sure that you are applying that filtering system, that you're running the method with yourself, you know, especially when someone comes in who seems like they're too good to be true. Like the real magic of this system comes in when you meet someone that you really like. So in conclusion, I work with men and women. I've got to tell you that the people that I work with, regardless of genders, are very, very, very similar in the sense that they're aching for love and they're wanting to connect with somebody who is available and open for real intimacy. And it doesn't mean that you need to be absolutely perfect. It doesn't mean that you need to have had an uncheckered relationship history. But being real and vulnerable with your experiences, being able to, to own the humbling experiences that we've had, but to make that choice to keep coming back into the heart, to really treat yourself with tenderness and care, to practice self love, to practice self compassion and self forgiveness, and to provide the experience of emotional safe harbor to somebody else because you've created the conditions of emotional safety inside of yourself, not despite what. What happened but because of it you know this is what's going to make you an unbelievably desirable partner and it's going to allow you to travel the depths of intimacy which before this experience may not have been available to you. So please know that there's plenty of wonderful people, kind-hearted, sensitive souls out there who have had similar experiences. If what I'm sharing with you really resonates with you and you'd like to work with somebody me inside of a caring cocoon a private container then do feel free to reach out you can go over to ezzy.love slash private that's where you'll find the information about the one-on-one coaching experience you can apply over there and then if it feels like a fit we can jump onto a call we would have a conversation prior to any commitment being made because what I really want to feel confident is that I'm the right person to help you if I feel like something else will be better for you then I will definitely share that with you as well. Well, I do know that once we overcome those inner barriers to love, once we cultivate self love, then meeting really amazing people who are sincerely looking for love will become the norm.